1: Dot .fm to get started. Peace.
2: And welcome to the Anatomy of Marriage podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Studley.
1: What's up, my friends? My name is Seth Studley. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Thank you for joining us today for episode number seven of season one, Don't Turn the Lights On.
2: This episode is really amazing. It's all about sex and intimacy, and we have the wonderful Dr. Tina Mm Schirmer-Sellers, Dr. Corey Allen. It's Mm -hmm. a really great episode, but before we dive into that, welcome. If you're new here, we have over 300 episodes about all things marriage and relationship related, and we're creating the podcast we wish we would have had when were going through the worst parts of our marriage.
1: That's right. We went through a terrible marriage, and not only a terrible marriage, but we were messed up people and now we have a good marriage, and it's improved. So we're glad we stuck it out and did the work.
2: Totes! Before we dive into the show, we also wanted to talk about how Louisville went and how Nashville was, because we right. were just there, and it was fantastic. That's
1: right. You heard us talk about we were really the the only speakers at this conference. It was a one and a half day conference at the He Said She Said conference in Louisville, Kentucky, and it was a blast. It, it was, was
2: amazing with Big Church in Louisville. It, it was, was so good.
1: Yeah, it was just
2: y'all. Uh, they put on a real event.
1: <laughs> they they put on a show. We put on a show. We showed up and we showed out is what that's we did. Right, that's right. And uh, yeah, it was it was great. It's it's always great when we get to speak and visit with new couples and share our story mm-hmm. and share some of the resources that we learned and actually what we're going through through and get real with people and everybody. I swear. People want and need realness, and that's mm-hmm. what we brought. They need they need realness, they need to see their own story through our story, mm-hmm. and they need tools.
2: Yeah, so if you were there, we are so glad that you went, and yeah. it was such a blast, and if you missed it, you missed out. You we'll did. We'll see you like, next
1: year. Honestly, yeah, We next will year. see you next year, but you, thank
2: you, Big Church, for hosting us. Thank you, Melissa and TJ, and mm-hmm. Mindy and Rich, and just all of the amazing people there. We have had such a great time we loved it nashville was also amazing but we just want to say a little shout out to them first to everybody first because it was just so 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 good
1: yeah they put on a good event that was fun mm-hmm. educational so
2: i want to say something really quickly because it doesn't make sense if <laughs> okay. i don't reference this because uh i reference echoes in this episode and oh, people right. are probably like what is she talking about yeah but because from season one the original release to the new one people i had a bunch of echoes in it that people didn't like right. i loved them i didn't like them. They were cheesy and i loved them uh, even my mom when we talk about like how much we liked them even though they were corny but i took the echoes out that's why you'll hear me make a joke about echoes thank you for doing that yes yeah. Yeah. anyway so without any more gabbing on our part here mm-hmm. is episode season what here is episode <laughs> seven of the season one re-release don't turn on the lights
1: all right enjoy
2: Last week, we talked all about the wacky world of expectations in episode number six. You should know this already. And if you haven't heard it, I suggest that you go back and take a listen. But today, we're talking all about sex. Yes, you heard me right. On today's episode, we are going to pull the covers off the confusing and crazy world of sex and intimacy. So right away, this episode is a little bit different. I feel like we need to have some clarity around a couple keywords to help this episode make more sense first word we're going to define is the word sex. What is it and what does it mean? Then we'll move on to the word intimacy and explore what that means. And here's a quick warning. I will be talking about sex in this episode. I don't want anyone to freak out. So the definition that I found for the word sex reads as chiefly with the reference to people's sexual activity, including specifically sexual intercourse. Example, he enjoyed talking about sex intercourse, lovemaking, sex act, sexual relations, etc. Now with intimacy, it's a whole different ballgame. And you might think that it's not necessary to talk about the word intimacy at first, but I will explain why I brought it up as the episode progresses. Anyway, the definition of intimacy is close familiarity or friendship. Closeness, togetherness, affinity, rapport, attachment, affection, warmth, confidence. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, we can get into the meat and potatoes of it all. And what we're going to do is start at the very beginning and see what kids think about sex. So I interviewed a couple of kids. The boys' ages are... Nine. Eleven. Seven. And the girls are... Nine. And... Four. Here is what the girls had to say. Do you know anything about sex? No. No. You don't know anything about it? No. Do they talk about it at school? No. They don't talk about it at your house? No. Is it good or bad? I think it's bad you think it's bad how yeah. come you think that i just think it is yeah yeah mom no. um, what did i say oh you don't have to say anything if you don't want to the girls didn't have much to say but here's what the boys thought is it okay to talk about sex mm. uh not really at <laughs> all it's no it's not how come it's not okay i don't like you. what do you think about it gross and inappropriate. Oh, yeah? Where did you learn that? Tell people. That school. It. School? Yeah, people talk about it at school. I don't like it. Yeah? Do your teachers ever talk about it? No. Oh. What grade are you in? Fifth. Wow, so you're 11. Yes. Right? What do you know about it? That it's gross and inappropriate. I don't know. Whenever I hear somebody's like,
3: say it, I leave.
2: Yeah, you're like, no way. No, I'm
3: not going over it. It's like,
2: No thanks. No thanks. Do your parents ever talk about it? No. Nobody talks about it at home. Do you want to keep it that way? Yes. Would you like it if your parents talked to you about it? No. How come? (laughs) It's gross and inappropriate. I don't like it. It's my worst favorite word. (laughs) So, did anyone else grow up like this? Because I know I totally did. I mean, I remember as a kid that sex was like the one thing that you knew you couldn't talk about. And so, looking back, I'm asking myself as an adult... What does that secretive culture lead to? I didn't have to look far to find the answer. This is Allie again, who you'll remember from episode... Uh, wait, I have no idea what episode she was in. Let me find it. Aha! Found it! Okay, you'll recognize Allie from last week's episode. I edit so many things I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Here she is.
3: I struggle with the, like, sex feels really gross to me. Feels Mm -hmm. gross to talk about, feels gross to think about, feels gross to just, no, gross and wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it's something um, appropriate.
2: Sound familiar?
3: Gross and inappropriate. (laughs) and I think a lot of that is because the generation that I grew up in there was like a, not like it's not like a scare tactic I think it works really well at times but there was a lot of like in like youth group and church ministries and stuff a lot of like true love waits and like sex isn't like don't have it before marriage and it was kind of scary and almost told that like if you did it then you were totally wrong and so I have a lot of negative views on that
2: So Allie is in her late 20s, and she said pretty much exactly the same thing as an 11-year-old boy. And to me, this really says a lot about the way that our culture in general views sex and sexuality. So let's go back and try to figure out why it is so hard for us to talk about this dirty word. What do you think the most common barriers are to intimacy and relationship?
4: Oh, I think that there are so many, I mean, talking about it. So if we can't talk about it, then how do we navigate it?
2: this is Dr. Tina Shermer Sellers
4: what if we don't know anything about it what if we've never been given any education about it
2: Tina was one of Seth's professors up at Seattle Pacific University the lady is amazing so I'll just let her introduce herself
4: so you want the formal name or whatever whatever, right, you, can just, right. whatever okay. you want to share so um, so my name is Dr. Tina Shermer Sellers and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist a certified sex therapist and sex therapy supervisor. And I'm a medical family therapist, and I've been teaching at Seattle Pacific University in their marriage and family therapy program for about 24 years. And I launched the Northwest um, Institute on Intimacy a couple years ago, which has the purpose of training family therapists to become sex therapists and to specialize in spiritual intimacy, because what most people don't realize is family therapists and couples therapists don't get training in sex therapy, even though most people walk in bringing sex therapy stuff with them.
2: Okay, you heard that, right? You caught what she just said. I'm going to replay that so you get the full weight of that. And I'm not going to put an echo on it because I've been getting a lot of complaints about the echoes. I don't know what to do about it because I love me an echo, but whatever. Here's Tina's clip again.
4: Family therapists and couples therapists don't get training in sex therapy even though most people walk in bringing sex therapy stuff with them
2: with them with them with oops but seriously though when i learned that most family therapists don't have sex therapy training it was just so shocking to me like is sex not a part of families is it not a part of marriages how are we excluding this why are we excluding this we asked tina her thoughts
4: sex is such a loaded topic with so many couples And I believe we really set couples up to not know how to do intimacy well at all Mm -hmm. in our culture. Mm -hmm. We don't provide any comprehensive sex education. We make it completely silent. The Mm -hmm. 95% of homes are silent or silent and shaming. Mm -hmm. We provide media and pornography as our primary mode of sex education. And um, so people have very unrealistic expectations of what to actually do to be a good lover.
2: Well, that makes sense. But how come it's so hard to talk about sex?
4: Well, I think if you don't grow up where it's an open conversation, it feels like, well, it, it shouldn't be talked about, right? Yeah. It's a bad conversation mm-hmm. to have. It's a wrong conversation to have. Like, I'm breaking some kind of rule, yeah. right? Yes. If I talk about I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. Like, that's still embedded in us. <laughs> like, from this little part inside of us. Like, someone's going to be really mad at me. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So when I interviewed Allie, I told her what Tina said about this idea, and her response was pretty funny. You still have that thing in your mind that says, I am going to get in trouble Yeah, if I talk about this.
3: Like, I'm going to get caught. Like, I always think my mom is, like, going to knock on the door, which is terrifying, and she doesn't even live with me, so it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it always feels like I have to be like, duh. Ah, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, it feels oh, awkward. when other people talk about it, like a bridal shower is like, I would much rather have unmedicated labor than go to a bridal shower where they're gonna like show underwear. Like, no thanks.
5: <laughs> it seems like based on hearing all this stuff it's like uh
2: Here's me, Seth and Madigan.
5: Okay. So okay, so there's two things that feel opposed that are at odds here. One is it's very, very instinctual and deep in your brain and uh biological in nature and everybody has it strongly there's something there and then secondly since it's uh, an intimate thing and it's shared typically or with one other person and private from other people uh it's a thing that does not lend itself to communication so one of the strongest base desires we have is one of the things we're least allowed to communicate that's a recipe for trouble right exactly and there's all and thus there are all these exploitations possible from it
1: or there's easy way outs because it's so hard to communicate you can still get this need met by pornography Mm -hmm. or prostitution yeah um or masturbation but but
5: just think if there was just some other desire that you had that was extremely strong and it was you weren't even allowed to talk about it
1: yeah well let's let's go with let's go with Eating. I mean, well, obviously, but you that's can a talk biological. About eating, though. No, no, no. It- Pretend you couldn't.
5: Yes. What do you think the outcome? Like, it, it, you, of course, you would never see a Burger King on the street. Yeah, and you so just, you'd like eat in. Because eating is. Yeah, you just. That's such a funny you, 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 thought. You yeah. would
1: eat in private, or but you, know, you have the
5: desire, and it's a and it's even a, a need. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not something you can communicate or learn about easily. That uh, that would be a disaster. Yeah. To me, it feels like there's a bottleneck of information on it, and it just seems so medieval area where there's lack of information on germs or something. It's just like we just don't get enough information on it, and that actually leads to worse outcomes.
2: Yeah.
5: Kind of.
0: Schnars calls this an elicitation window.
2: This is Dr. Corey Allen again, who you heard back in Episode 5. I'll let him refresh your memory about who he is and what he does.
0: Married 23 years, two kids, nine-year-old and 11-year-old. I'm a marriage family therapist, licensed professional counselor. have a private practice here in the Dallas uh, suburbs area. I um, also have an online presence with simplemarriage.net and a weekly podcast called Sexy Marriage Radio. Uh, where you can find that at sexymarriageradio.com. And the way we like to propose it is it's 30 minutes of free sex therapy a week.
2: He has also just come out with a brand new book called Naked Marriage, uncovering who you are and who you can be together. So Dr. Corey Allen and I talked about a lot of stuff, and it will be sprinkled throughout the remaining episodes because the dude is smart and he's got a lot of good things to say. But let's go back to where I cut him off for the intro.
0: So if you can have people explain to me how they do sex, I can tell you how they do life because those two are always interchangeable because it's just a language. If you are always sitting on the sideline waiting for him to make the move, you probably do that in your life.
2: Wait, did you hear that? If you didn't catch it, I'm going to play it again.
0: Because it's just a language.
2: Sex is a language. That is so cool to me. I cannot just skim by that without talking about it. I think that's profound. Dr. Corey went on to explain that the way we do sex is the way we do life, so if I'm always waiting on Seth for initiation when it comes to intimacy, then I'm probably doing that in a lot of other areas in our marriage, and he's totally right. I tend not to tell Seth exactly what I want, but I just sort of hope he knows when and what and why I want what I want, which is totally ridiculous. And so sex is literally just one of the ways in which we communicate to one another. But we could communicate so many things through sex. I could communicate that I'm disappointed in you or that I think you're really amazing. It is a communication style. It, it is a language that's so amazing. Where, especially in the Christian space, do we have a place to celebrate a positive sex life? We don't. Yeah. We we can't. And so it's, right. uh, it's this weird thing where you... You should have a good sex life, but you shouldn't talk about it. Like, don't tell anyone.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that's part of why Sexy Marriage Radio exists, is because I know of just from our listeners of several pastors that recommend our show to their to their parishioners, if Mm -hmm. you will. I mean, that they talk about it from the pulpit. Of this is not something I'm willing to say, but if you'll go to sexymarriageradio.com and even an episode number. This is something that could help you. And so it's like fantastic. I mean, I hadn't thought of that when we first started yeah. this show, that it would become that. But I'm so pleased that it did because it needs to be talked about in a healthy way. And we try to do it not necessarily under the religious label, but mm. definitely under the Christian label that we're pro marriage, we're pro health, we're pro, you know, fantastic moments in bed together or on the table or wherever. And. <laughs> why not i mean it's a blessed it's sacred and why not celebrate it
2: yeah why not celebrate it? I think that
3: a lot of times you find churches that either don't talk about it enough or talk about it too much.
2: Here's Allie again.
3: And I think that I came from a church that didn't talk about it enough growing up. Um, and then I we went to a church where I think we talked about it too much yeah. and too openly. And so I think that there's a balance, right? I think because it can be such a hurtful and painful subject for people that it shouldn't be waved around, talked about all of the time like there's a time and a place to talk about
2: it. Okay, I've debated this for this whole episode, if I should talk about this or not. And I think that I need to, because I don't think everyone understands that sex is not the same for every single human being on this planet. Some people have had very negative experiences with sex. And so sex for them might not be the same as sex for you. Think about that. Some people have been molested. Some people have been abused terribly. So when a pastor stands in the pulpit and says, Every couple should be having sex three to five times a week. And if they're not, they have sin in their marriage and need to work on their marriage. That is not okay. Because not every person has the same sexual history. I just had to say that. Wait, 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 wait. And there's another thing too that I just thought of. So this whole purity thing that churches push so hard. What happens when the church tells you you must be a virgin? You must not know a thing about sex before you get married. But when you were 13 someone raped you what then how does that message translate when you are not in charge of your own purity what then i mean this is stupid stuff that people are like throwing around like it doesn't even matter and it totally does i made myself angry i also made tina angry when i asked her about virginity and church
4: When we raise children to be so afraid of themselves and so filled with shame such that they come to their marriage, virgin or not, Mm -hmm. and then spend the first decade of their marriage with incredible sexual dysfunction, we have not done it well, right? So the issue is not virginity. That is not the issue. The issue is how do we raise them well so that... When they move into a committed relationship, if that's what they decide to do, they embrace their sexuality well. They know how to live in relationship to their sexuality in a way that they feel really good about their body and sexuality, and they can do relationship in a way that honors themselves, honors other, and honors their relationship with God. And they're in it. They're in the world in a way that's generative, Mm -hmm. right? That's what I think is important. This whole idea of premarital sex or no is we're spending our time on the wrong question and we're wasting our time not spending time on the right questions, I I, think. And
1: there's a lot of cleanup afterwards.
4: (sighs) Ridiculous amount.
2: So as I continued into this episode, I realized that there needs to be a full episode dedicated to the cleanup, the stuff that we go through if we do have a history of sexual abuse. And I know that episode is not going to be for everybody, but I feel totally led to make it. So I'm making an extra episode in this podcast. It's not going to be 12 episodes. It's going to be 13 because I love you guys, but just know it's going to be kind of heavy, but it will be full of amazing and wonderful insight from these professionals that I interviewed. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, but let's continue on with this episode. So Tina has spent some time researching why
4: Christianity is so sex negative. So I thought, how did Christianity become so sex negative? It just didn't make any sense to me. So I went looking and I couldn't find anything sex positive in Christianity. So I went looking further and I went into Jewish history and I found some beautiful stories there. And there actually is this one story that's like from 500 BC that is about these um Jewish rabbis that were in this one village and everybody was being a a bit irresponsible with their sexuality in the village and the, the rabbis were all a little upset about it and they didn't quite know how to manage it and so they went into the temple and they were begging God to help subdue the villagers and they were, you know, begging God and God said no and they begged God and God said no and they did this like three or four times and finally God acquiesced and said okay, okay. And out of the Holy of Holies jumped this lion of fire that went over the village. And the next day, the hens stopped laying eggs. The artists stopped creating. A depression settled over the entire village. The rabbis realized that the core sexual desire was the same desire that was at the core of all creative desire. And so they went back into the temple and they said, Well, okay, but can you give us back the creative desire, but just not that one? And God said, No, 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 no. All great desire must be managed, you can't have one without the other. And they said, okay, well, can you give it back to us, just not as strong? And God said, fine. And I loved that story because I think it's really true. Because as a therapist, what you find is when people are really depressed, they don't have sexual desire. That goes too. You can see that sexual desire is like this blooming desire that very much comes from a place of fullness.
2: So we're going to continue to explore the way that Dr. Tina sees sexuality and intimacy, because it is so different from everything that I learned as a kid and growing up that it was very hard for me to wrap my mind around what exactly she meant when we interviewed her that day. And so to get a better understanding, Seth and I took a little trip. So we flew out to Colorado to join Tina and the Northwest Institute on Intimacy's Passion for Life Couples Retreat. It was amazing. You can
1: bring it up to the door and we will make sure it gets
2: charged. But let me tell you something funny. People don't really know what to say when you tell them you're going to an intimacy retreat. He said we could get to, um, if we were in a Ferrari. Here's me, Seth and Madigan, talking about how funny the pilot was on the flight to Denver. Driving straight, we would be going 500 miles an hour and he goes, which would be hard over the Rockies or the Sierra Nevadas, for that matter. Like, he was the weirdest. It was awesome.
4: So you're free to get up and go square dancing in the aisles.
2: But anyway, so we went to we went to a conference in Denver. We flew mm-hmm. to Denver to be with dr. Tina Shermer Sellers and this conference in a, in a thing mm-hmm. in a group setting on a for an intimacy retreat and I it would was, think
5: that would attract all manner of weirdos
2: <laughs> well
1: right so um an intimacy retreat uh for weirdos, right so it
5: seems like only weird people would be comfortable going to it,
1: so <laughs> only weird people or people who understand like, oh well, you know what our cultural notion of what human sexuality is, is really messed up, right? Mm. There are like the things that we experienced in that retreat. If we could um kind of condense that down and bottle it up and actually explain it in like an elevator speech, every single couple that I know would go, yes, I want that. Mm. I want what you guys described happened to you to happen to me. Please, God, that's all I've wanted for 20, 25 years to happen right but I'm not willing
5: to go to a sex retreat to get it (laughs) well I'm not willing to talk to my group about it I'm not really I just exactly
1: which which would only mirror what um, Dr. Corey Allen was saying your sex life is just um, kind of a window into what your other outside married life is you know Mm -hmm. well you know I want this but I'm not really willing to work at it you know Mm -hmm. I want to lose 10 pounds but I don't have time to go to the gym you just make excuses right
2: so Seth and I sat down with a couple who attended one of Tina's retreats four years ago and ask them about their experience. And because it's so hard to explain what the retreat actually was, I asked them to do it for me. Meet Sean and Anna.
6: I felt like the first retreat, which was phenomenal, and we were blown away by, was for us, I felt like more of an awakening of what intimacy should be in a marriage and how it was designed by God. Mm -hmm. And and I think the Mm -hmm. foundation of our belovedness that is not even spoken of in our society. And so I think Tina brings that and sort of opens the eyes of the participants to you are beloved and you should be treated as such and you should be treating as such...
2: So I'm going to bounce back and forth from three different conversations, because I think there's a really beautiful idea in here that I want to express, but I don't want to narrate the whole thing. That seems pretty boring. But it was sort of an awakening that I had when I talked to Tina that Anna mirrored and Tina confirmed. So here's a snippet of my interview with Tina. You did say something though that I thought was really interesting where you were talking about the way that society has made us view our own bodies as being not good enough, not
4: the right shape or size or whatever. Here's what Tina actually said. Claim your body. See it as a good thing. We get so many messages that want us to see our bodies as something perverted or bad or not good enough or not the right shape or whatever. And really we need to see it as a gift and wonderful if we're going to allow ourselves to have our own sexual desire, let alone share it with our partner, Mm -hmm. right? And we have to often do a whole lot of work because we have an economy that's based on us not feeling good about our body.
2: Back to what I thought. And you said something like that made me think of when we want to be intimate with our spouse, we are essentially presenting ourselves to them, which I had never really thought of that idea. And it made me think of when like if you view your own body like it's garbage why would you give garbage to your husband right mm-hmm. so it's really a weird mm-hmm. mental game because i think mm-hmm. so many people have this perception that they aren't beautiful enough when you put that um block in your mind that yeah. well what i'm giving my husband is yucky and it's gross and we should turn the lights off and we shouldn't talk about it or look at it right. but this is my gift to you right, right. like how backwards right. is that yeah. and
1: giving right. a gift that like You can't see, or you can't
6: celebrate, or...
2: Yeah, you can't celebrate. And this is what Anna said before. What
6: intimacy should be in a marriage, and how it was designed by God. You are beloved, and you should be treated as such, and you should be treating as such.
2: So there you go. Does that make it a little bit more clear what the retreat was like? Because it's so hard to explain. It's like three or four days of solid information that you have never heard before that absolutely changes your perspective on everything to do with intimacy and sex and relationships. And it is so, so amazing. So here's our attempt to explain it to our producer, Matt. I want to talk about the retreat a little bit, but the retreat was not what it was not what I expected. At first, I i immediately thought what you thought I was like mm-hmm. what has seth signed us up for this like crazy sex party yeah. for four days in denver and i had no idea and I, I was like well i'm i'm signed up got a plane ticket gonna go i think but in a
1: sentence it would, it would... I,
2: i'm don, not done talking Sorry. <laughs> but uh when we got there like there was there's workbooks you're in a room with a bunch of other couples and it, it feels sort of awkward but there's like champagne and chocolate so it feels great um but you learn about you know you learn about where your own shame is around your body around talking about sex Mm -hmm. where did you learn about sex was it from school your church your parents like all these things and so you really it's just this big introspective like what do i know about my own body and sex and all these things what do i what is the word what do i project like what Mm -hmm. do i put into it that is not accurate and so a lot of it was that a lot of it was like So when we were at this retreat, I jokingly said to one of the facilitators that I didn't know how I was going to explain this experience to people once I got back home. And his reply was absolutely perfect. He just said, and I quote, you can't, so don't even try. Just tell them to come to a retreat. So that is exactly what I'm doing. Visit nwioi.com, that just stands for Northwest Institute on Intimacy, and check out their upcoming retreats. I know for a fact that they have one in Seattle in September and another one in Broomfield, Colorado in October. And even though Seth and I tried to tell Matt about the experience that we had, we failed miserably. So I highly recommend that you check out the website, learn more about Tina and her awesome work, and go to the Dagum Retreat. You will not regret it. Okay, so I am literally 27 minutes and 20 seconds into this episode, and I haven't even got to the education part, so we've got to stop with the retreat and start with the education. I'm throwing it back to Tina, so here we go. What would your ideal marital sex education be if you could get people right before they got married and say, okay, these five things are what
4: you need to know? Oh gosh. Well, I think, um, it's oh boy. I'll often talk about what I call um, frame, claim, name, and aim, and frame is get your sex education, you know, like get the education that you didn't get. Um, claim is claim your body, see it as a good thing. We get so many messages that want us to see our bodies as something perverted or bad or not good enough or not the right shape or whatever, and really we need to see it as a gift and wonderful if we're going to allow ourselves to have our own sexual desire, let alone share it with our partner, Mm -hmm. right? And we have to often do a whole lot of work because we have an economy that's based on us not feeling good about our body. It's run on us not feeling good about our body, right? Um, Naming is being able to share our story with someone that can hear it in an empathic way Um, and yet the vast majority of people have a sexual story that's filled with silence and shame, and they've had traumatic things occur in growing up, you know, sexually. And and then aiming is really, what, what do you want in your own sexual life and in your own sexual story? And can we claim that we want a fun, playful erotic life with our partner and something that we can actually feel good about and happy about and not be ashamed of and Mm -hmm. um we we just are so underground with it like there's no place to have a sexual story that we're in the light where we're like You know, I I have worked hard to have a great sex life with my partner, and I feel great about it. You know, like, where do we talk about that? Like, where do we feel good about that, you know? I don't know. (laughs) That's
2: so (laughs) weird. That's a great idea. How do we educate... Here's me and Dr. Corey Allen again. People like myself, even. Because... You know, until everybody knows about your show, we're not being educated about sex in any other realm other than pornography or movies or whatever. And so how does that work?
0: Well, I don't know. As parents, I have a a big passion of first and foremost with your kids, use proper terminology. Mm -hmm. It's not a pee-pee. It's not a wee-wee. It's not down there. You know, it's a vulva. It's a labia. It's a penis. It's testicles. It's, you know, it's use proper terms. Because you're starting to normalize it, because that would probably be something from what you described with your upbringing would have been totally foreign. Whereas in my house, just tonight before we started this, there was a commercial for Viagra, and my 11 year old get this. She gets this weird look on her face, and we're like, "Well, when you get older, sometimes a penis what doesn't work, and to be able to have sex." And she's like, "Can we not talk about this with 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 my brother here?" It's like he has one of those, babe. Let's talk, <laughs> we're going to talk about these things because this is life. It's just recognizing how do we take shame out of it because there's always an element of shame because if you go biblically speaking, after the fall, shame entered the world, and so na- nakedness and shame go hand in hand.
5: Actively speaking, what do you think you would do different or will do different with your kids?
2: Here's the three of us again.
5: By the time they're teenagers, do you think you'll be able to speak about sex much more freely than yeah. than your parents did, or do you think perhaps we all get you know tighten up when it gets to that point?
2: So after we interviewed Tina at spu immediately up after interviewing her i ran home and was like we need to start teaching our kids about their bodies because we never have i wasn't raised that way we didn't like even you guys were raised with more body awareness than us because in the south you swim all the time because it's hot in the summer but in washington we didn't so like we barely saw people in bathing suits yeah. it was very much like a prudish mm-hmm. um uncomfortableness so we have a book that our kids like died when I bought it because they are not used to any of this kind of conversation, Mm -hmm. right? So we bought a book called like Amazing You and it is literally like, these are testicles yeah, and this is a penis. (laughs) This is a vagina and these are labia and my kids would die. I I can't
5: imagine that. Like they mm
2: -hmm. died. Like the boys could not, because the boys are seven and eight getting this book and Hattie is four, Mm -hmm. right? So my kids who love potty talk, it is like the world to them. We bring them the ultimate book of like, look at the penis and talk about it yeah and they're just like yeah but yeah even stuff like that it's like even that is awkward and it makes us laugh and we're like oh I don't know but that's gonna it's just gonna you get think you just
5: have to lean into that into their teenage years and yeah. try to try to stay consistent there yeah yeah
2: and and being aware of like what is out there in the culture and you would think that it.
5: fixing the whole culture would be the goal like to de, de- it's not just that any one family or generation is going to nail it because you're still swimming in a, a taboo sex taboo culture mm-hmm. and so that's going to take multiple generations of progress to get yeah to get it in a healthier place probably yeah but that's what we can be doing is making sure we're not overly careful or overly fearful when we're communicating with a, a are with each other and with our kids. And that will have an effect that it will build over time to destigmatize. That has to be the goal.
1: Yeah. And make it age appropriate at every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And then also, I think one of the best things a uh, 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 mom and dad who are together um, for their kids to uh, model that, to mirror that, you know, positive kind of, uh, you know, not, not sexual affection, obviously in front, but the a love positive culture, you know, like that
2: can be there in a way because kids. I mean, why wouldn't you, Why wouldn't it be there? It would be like, hey, guys, we're going to eat dinner, but we're all going to hide from each other when we do it. Like, we're not even going to talk about dinner, but everyone knows we eat. Like, going back to oh, that yeah, reference. So, like, yeah, so like, like there does of, need to mm. be affection. When there isn't affection, kids don't understand that that's a thing that needs to be nurtured or that that's a mm. positive thing. So, they're going to look at affection in their relationships like, oh, no, no, we don't do that don't right. do that
1: or even cultivating kind of like in, in the household I, I think some of the couples that we went to the retreat did this like mm-hmm. oh you know okay after dinner mommy and daddy are going to the bedroom mm-hmm. don't don't disturb us this is our time you guys can watch a show but we're going to be in there mm-hmm. you know and of course they're not going to figure out what you guys were doing until they're 18 and thinking oh wow you know um
2: 18 now huh? you're a late bloomer well yeah, i
1: don't
5: know Okay, ten. <laughs> Wait, we only have
2: one more year. So as we wrap up the first part of the sex episodes, I wanted to leave you with this thought from Tina.
4: There's this way in which we deeply want to be seen, known, loved, and accepted. And I think one of the most powerful places in the human experience where that can happen is when we are being... Sexual with someone that we deeply want to be seen, known, loved, and accepted with, who we deeply want to see, know, love, and accept, and we are in that act with. Yeah, right. I don't think that there is any other human way to do that more. Yeah, because it is so biopsychosocial spiritual.
1: Yeah. So okay, what did you think about the episode?
2: One of my absolute favorite things about this episode is the the amazing, unintentional, but awesome overlap of the kids saying sex is gross and disgusting don't talk about it and yep. then my friend Allie saying sex yes. is gross and disgusting don't talk about it and I was like what isn't that crazy I just thought that was I mean as an audio engineer I was like this is a dream this is
1: this is gold <laughs> this is right? is yes. so would you say that our our kids I would like to interview our kids and ask them some of the same questions now yeah would you think that they what do you think they would say about it now
2: I'm sure well you couldn't quite hear it in the episode but when our little cousin was saying that sex is so gross and you don't talk about it. Our own son... Mm -hmm underneath him was saying, like, you couldn't hear Mariner, but he was saying, sex is okay to talk about at home. It's okay. That's how really? you get babies. Yeah, you can't hear He it. said that? Yes, because his cousin was talking over him.
1: High five, girlfriend. I know. I, right? that, I'm proud of us as parents. I
2: know. And so he was saying, no, it's okay. You can talk about it. It's not that weird. And mm-hmm. I think our kids would all be fairly balanced about it. Just, be, But uh, honestly, it's all praise to this episode. Yeah. When we After we interviewed her, we went and bought that. Uh, Amazing U book, right? And we changed
1: our family conversations Mm -hmm. around it, right?
2: Yep, and we changed... I began doing things, which I talk about this at a MOPS conversation the other day when I spoke to the moms at MOPS, Mm -hmm. is that I began, after this interview, making sure... That I changed my clothes, not my underwear, but my clothes in front of our kids, so that our boys would see me in underwear, and it wouldn't be a big deal. And I wasn't—I mean, I know that sounds super weird. And growing up, I would have—that is really weird for how I grew up. But I want to normalize that behavior because when we don't normalize that behavior, we set our kids up for failure. Yep. They think bodies are weird or they think bodies are, should be objectified because that's the only thing that they learn about. Right. So it's just, I don't know, I have lots of feelings about uh, how far this episode has brought us with all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, being comfortable with our bodies, being comfortable talking about healthy marital intimacy with our children and right. why it matters and why we shouldn't treat it Lightly. You yeah, know?
1: like I on purpose, and you do it too. We say, hey, kids, check this out, and I kiss you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or or you kiss me or whatever, and we hug because we want to...
2: We want to model really positive.
1: Exactly. We want to model that. And, you know, like we've said before, more is caught than taught, mm-hmm. right? So if kids see us modeling, oh, dad kisses mom, mom mm-hmm. kisses dad, okay, They that's, enjoy that's, each that's other.
2: Normal. Mom and dad enjoy each other. Right.
1: Yeah. So what does that do for them... Ten or fifteen years down the road, mm-hmm. they're going to seek out healthy relationships, he- mm-hmm. healthy romantic relationships, and look for a partner. You know, a husband or wife mm-hmm. that's um, that they're going they're going to seek out what they know, right? Mm-hmm. So if they know healthy relationships, mm-hmm. healthy boundaries, all these things, love and affection is fine. Then they're gonna they're gonna end up with that more yeah. li- more likely than not.
2: Yeah, there's something that came to my mind as I was re-listening to this episode and remastering it and all that was this strange idea because I, I keep just thinking about how does how come we don't talk about this stuff in church? How come we mm-hmm. don't talk about this stuff in the like in a religious setting or whatever? Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking about um, how strange it is because if we can do intimate sexually intimate relationships well in a monogamous setting Mm -hmm. right if we can do that well Mm -hmm. like really well not just like okay Mm. not just we can have sex a few times a week or a month or whatever Mm -hmm. but like if we can actually make sexual intimacy within our marriage really amazing The skill set that it takes to do that, to know someone intimately, and if you guys don't understand what I'm saying, this might all sound so bizarre. No, it doesn't. But if you understand what I'm saying, when I'm saying you know the emotional needs of your partner, Mm -hmm. you know the emotional um, complexities of your partner, you know Mm -hmm. how to soothe and love and hold your partner well, physically, emotionally, Mm -hmm. relationally, if we can do those things well in a sexual context... Just like Dr. Corey Allen said, yeah, it, if you flip what he always said, he kept saying, "If you tell me how sex you do, sex, I know how you do life." Right. But flip it the other way around. If I it like if you can do intimacy well in a sexual context in marriage, then you can probably do communication well. Yep. Uh, you know, conflict resolution well. Mm-hmm. All of these other things, and I it really just struck me today. I'm like, we're yeah. not teaching one of the core skills of um, a a healthy long-term relationship. So that totally reminds me of the workbook, Mm -hmm. which we have not even mentioned yet. So you can get the season one workbook. It's called the best marriage workbook ever on anatomyofmarriage.com. And you can buy it. It's $24.99. I highly suggest that you do it. It's like 90 pages of awesomeness. And chapter seven with Don't Turn the Lights On that goes with this episode has tons of questions walking you through these very same things like Mm -hmm. what did we learn about sex as a child how old were we when we learned about sex Mm -hmm. was it that you know it was silent and shaming it was bad it's terrible it's only for bad people Mm -hmm. it's only for sinners right
1: so what this does is helps you to unpack and explore your own sexual narrative right Mm -hmm. in the hopes and intention of unpacking that stuff Getting it out in the open, having a real conversation with yourself first of all, and mm-hmm. then a real conversation with your spouse, and then oh, guess what? When you talk about that stuff, your sex life becomes better. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying oh yeah, you have tons of sex. You know, don't hear it that way. I'm saying the quality. Yes, maybe the quantity. You go up, well, but well, who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about connection and pleasure. And these questions in the best. Mer- in the best marriage workbook ever will help you get there. Mm-hmm.
2: And what's so cool too is, you know, we went to that marriage retreat, which we still can't even put into words with mm-hmm. Dr. Tina. It was so just amazing and beautiful. And one of the things we walked away from that retreat with a new understanding of was the importance of having really in depth, clear and open dialogue with your spouse about things you do and you don't like, Mm -hmm. like where you do and do not want to be touched. Mm -hmm. What kind of touch you enjoy. And it all is so uncomfortable to talk about like the first handful of times you're just like, this is terrible
1: because, Oh, well, then your spouse might want to know, well, why don't you want to be touched there? You mm-hmm. know, well, that I got made fun of, you know, if I had a big butt or like if, if you know, whatever mm-hmm. or who knows what, you know, guys or girls, it doesn't matter. But then so that's it's being vulnerable. It's not only being naked in the actual act of sex it's being emotionally vulnerable Mm -hmm. why don't you like to be touched there or why do you like that or whatever Mm -hmm. and these are real freaking conversations so
2: yeah and so and we have questions that guide you through a bunch of that like i have diagrams Mm -hmm. of like these kind of cartoony uh or like vector looking images of people and it says look at the diagram of the female and male body take a minute to list any areas of your body that you are uncomfortable with and so you know we have Mm -hmm. you walk through these things now Think about why you're uncomfortable with these areas. Write these down. Mm-hmm. And not You don't need to share them with your partner, but you can. And then it says, take that negative thought or comment and write it down on the page. There's no, re- no reason to hold it in any longer. Mm-hmm. And so it's really trying to walk you through a healing process around if you have shame with your body, if you have shame from your family of origin related to your intimacy and sex and all of that stuff. And then it does the reverse of that. Where do you want to be touched? What do you want to experience? And this is something that uh, I've become really passionate about when I'm speaking with women Mm. or speaking uh, actually with my... um, with Dan, the co-creator of the app, because mm-hmm. we're working on more stuff, more apps. And one of the things we've just realized lately, it's like we are not clear with our partners about what we enjoy. We right. don't have the vocabulary. We don't have the skill set. We don't have the tools or the knowledge or the language. We are so uncomfortable, most of us, talking about that stuff, that we, our, our sex life suffers and then a, a ton of other things in our marriage suffer that we don't even realize suffer because mm-hmm. we're so used to it. It's like what we saw growing up. Mm -hmm. We go, oh, well, that's just normal. It's normal to not feel connection. Yeah,
1: and you don't know what you don't know. And part of the intimacy retreat and our going through like unraveling and unlearning a lot of like sexual stuff has been uh, a rediscovering. Or not even a rediscovering, like an actual discovery of like, oh, okay, that's that's fine or that's fun or like, no, that's not for me Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. couples don't have these conversations. Some do. Mm-hmm. But some some don't. Most don't. Most
2: don't, yeah. And particularly in the church. And I think that oh, that's yes. one of the most important factors here is that these, you know, Dr. Tina wrote a book called Sex, God, and the Conservative Church. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the the sort of negative impact that she was seeing in her students right. who were all, you know, because most of them were conservative Christians. Yeah, and, and it from was, the
1: purity culture. And, yeah. then of course, you know, the guy that wrote that purity culture Josh book, Harris. his marriage book blew up and he was Mm -hmm. like I'm sorry that I wrote that book yeah yeah. so there's this
2: the people within the purity culture movement were behaving as if they had been sexually abused Right. and so she was like what is going on so she looked into it and wrote this book and that's why I keep bringing it up I mean you don't have to be a faith church person to Mm -hmm. gain wisdom from what we're talking about but I do think that in church culture it is so hard because you're trying you are trying genuinely to have uh, like a healthy, wholesome, godly, biblical, loving marriage. But when we are completely lacking any sexual education, mm-hmm. we can't do that. We, right. we really can't do that. You well, know?
1: how about this? No matter what the topic, if you lack education, then you're not going to be good at it.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you, yeah, absolutely.
1: And sometimes you can have education and still not be good at it. Like me in math.
2: so calculators are for and google right and other people
1: (laughs) yeah other people uh yeah that that's funny i i think just the the there's so many parallels of of like what we have learned and our journey through this and then we talk to other people like kev and melissa Mm -hmm. on the love hour podcast Mm -hmm. which if you guys haven't checked out the love hour go check it out it's amazing it's like freaking hilarious and awesome and they talk about real stuff which is rad and we will be atlanta speaking at their conference in july which is great but i was thinking about them in in this context and they both grew up Mm -hmm. in purity culture and how like bad yeah you know and the damage you know Mm -hmm. and then people are just on on a quest because we're all we're all sexual beings right Uh we have this desire to to feel close and be loved you know physically Mm -hmm. right and emotionally and uh, their story of like, we learned some crazy stuff and it wasn't just them. It was, you know, this is all over culture, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. American culture, mm-hmm. at least. And of course, in other cultures too. But um yeah, go check out their podcast. They're open. They talk about this stuff, which is really, really yeah, cool great. because they're real as all get out and yeah. they're funny too. Yeah.
2: One of the things I want to, or was there something else you were to say? One of the things that I wanted to say at, that I spoke about at the Louisville event, which I really loved how this, how the these sort of ideas came together was i spoke to the women about the power of intimacy that mm-hmm. was the breakout session title mm-hmm. and i used this idea i don't know if you've heard this before but you know there's that that terrible experiment that like the nazis did i think where mm-hmm. they had babies right. that they just gave them food water blankets mm-hmm. and a bed mm-hmm. and they didn't touch them no touch and right. they didn't do any of that stuff to see what would happen and mm-hmm. the babies died right so, it's called
1: failure to thrive mm-hmm. and that all that goes back to attachment theory mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. it's. It, and yeah.
2: The, the premise of the, i mean what you take away from that mm-hmm. is that love affection um, a nurturing kiss a hug snuggles mm-hmm. physical touch physical touch is life giving, not just like, oh yeah, I mean, you kind of need that. Like if you don't have it, your brain is deficient. It lacks the things it needs if it is lacking love. yes. And so that, and the same thing like with, you know, kids who are, sent to orphanages mm-hmm. at you know five or six or seven mm-hmm. they stop developing uh, parts of their brain mm-hmm. that when they grow up to become adults they are deficit they they, don't they know can't how to do it. have relationships mm-hmm. they they literally can't fix it you right. know and so it's so when you look at that stuff those scientific reports, that data, mm-hmm. and you you look at the sexual relationship between a, a husband and a wife, you say, oh, this actually isn't just a thing that feels good. Mm-hmm. It is life-giving and nurturing in the mm-hmm. same way that that intimacy with a mother and a, a child bond mm-hmm. is life-giving to them. And so we talked about the power of intimacy and how I had you f- tell me adjectives, like tell me descriptive words of what do you feel like after we have had a a pleasurable connecting experience. Sex. Yes. And one of the things that you said was, you said a handful of words, but it was like, put back together, Mm. whole, safe, warm, uh, well-loved. Like you Mm -hmm. said a ton of things that I was not expecting that you would say. Mm -hmm. And so what that helped me understand was that I can provide that, to you mm-hmm. with literally the same way a, a mom kisses her babies and looks into their eyes mm-hmm. and ooze and ahs over them. I have that power and that gift mm-hmm. and that God, like literally God given right. life giving part of me. Right. And I can share that with you. And when I share that with you in a balanced and healthy way, of course you are not taking that from me You're not abusing that power mm-hmm. or privilege or whatever. It is also, it's a feedback loop. And then I get the intimacy from you that right. I am longing for because it helps you feel, it helps you tap into sort of your emotional, social, emotional love side of you, mm-hmm. right? All of the chemicals. My,
1: my God-given thing that you don't possess mm-hmm. that I only have to give to you, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what, what Tina also talks about, that dance, Right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm doing what you want to do. You're doing what I want you to do kind of thing. If it, did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and so, I, it's really, really beautiful to watch because as you've stepped into this and like realize that's, Power mm-hmm. and I'm like putting air quotes, mm-hmm. you know, because I. you It's know, not
2: an abusive power. It's like no, an no, electrical no. outlet. It is power gives power, not yeah, not controlling. And I'm
1: not saying that in a weird way, but I actually, well, I shouldn't speak because I don't know it because I'm not a man. But you're not I, a man. <laughs> I'm not a woman.
2: <laughs> you do that all the time. I know. You say the wrong word,
1: right? But I see you feeling empowered. Mm-hmm. You know, like. It's when a kid learns how to ride a bike, you know.
2: Oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Or mm-hmm. I didn't
1: know that I could do this, and boom, they did it.
2: You step into that strength. Do you,
1: mm-hmm. Have you ever witnessed, like, yes, how like mm-hmm. proud they are? And or they when step a little kid, like it, a baby starts shows... walking, the exactly. pride of a
2: little baby walking. The pride. Yeah. Or when our dog learned to walk up steps <laughs> just the other day. Well, that
1: was sad because now he can. Uh, I know. He's, run our away. baby's growing up. Yeah, I know. But I've I've seen you grow into that and step into it. And, and I've even seen you, like, get onto other women. Like, you have this and, mm-hmm. like, walk them through it, which is completely rad. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I, I I think that we kind of, well, not kind of, we personally have had tremendous growth just in the last maybe three to five weeks mm-hmm. uh, for ourselves individually and emotionally mm-hmm. and intimately and it is very very different and are we needing to wrap up probably okay so i i want to um share something that is is really well i was re-listening to the episode and right at the end of the episode this is what tina says in like her kind of like statement she says uh, um intimacy physical intimacy is the desire of us all to be seen known loved and accepted mm-hmm. right and like she talks about what better way to do that through through mm-hmm. through emotionality of course through mm-hmm. that connection and then through pleasure mm-hmm. you know and it's like it's like the perfect bow on like what i think we're all longing for like mm-hmm. in our own human experience you know spiritual or not is to be seen i want you to see me mm-hmm. i want to be seen i want to see you to be known loved, and then accepted, Mm -hmm. right? And I am pulling this uh, out of left field here, but I uh, thought, man, this is just too, too, I don't know, coincidental or something to like, listen to Tina's words, forget that she said that, and then two years later, listen to it and go, this literally just happened last week, right? Like, you knew that you were, that I was needing something, right? Because I was, I was like super just like stressed and anxious about moving stuff and all these job opportunities and stuff that we may or may not have. And it's, it, it, it was overwhelming to me, right? And you saw a need, right? So I'm going to read a letter that I wrote to you after you stepped into your like full wife womanhood. Is that okay? Sure. Do you mind if I read that? Okay, so, and this this really literally goes off the heels of Tina saying, being seen, known, loved, and accepted. So I wrote this to you on two three twenty, right? And I it says I need and want. This is a letter to you, um, and I and I emailed you this letter a couple days ago. I need and want to say thank you, thank you dearly. I could cry right now, sitting in Starbucks as I write this. You represent the most beautiful thing that I've ever truly known. Love, tenderness, and acceptance. You are my medicine. You are my respite from a bitter storm that I've been living in. You are my soft and loving place to land. You are my spiritual safe haven. Safe haven. I know this sounds weird but I don't have a place in my own mind D- don't have that place in my own mind and you were the only person or soul to have ever helped me to get to that place. Last night it was like another world. I was present with myself and you. I was thinking of nothing else. I needed nothing else and I didn't want to experience anything except a drink of your love, to feel of your skin, to hear your sounds, to smell your body and breath to have you fully, and to know you fully, and also give myself fully to you. You and you and you alone got me there. I feel so soft and peaceful inside. My spirit feels at rest, finally at rest, at peace. You are a balm that covered my body. You protect me from myself. You let me be myself. I can offer, I can only offer you who I am, my very dearest Melanie. I love you. Your spirit, Is a gift to me and to the world. I see you, I need you, I want you, and I respect and appreciate you. You are truly an amazing spirit. This is why there was no mystery to me why I should marry you. You represent everything I need to heal, live, laugh, and love. You truly represent these things that I am lacking. You literally are my medicine. My spirit from long ago knew exactly what I needed. Exactly. I need to say this in a very formal way, and I apologize from all the confusion and hurt that I've caused you in this relationship. I own everything. I am guilty of that. I see these things. I see see and I know that I've hurt you. I see that I have not been great. I strive now to be great. I strive now to invite you into my heart, my mind, and my being. I've never known this kind of love and realness before. You are my introduction into greatness, and I can only give you, in return, my heart, my devotion, my teamwork, my dreams, my attention, my excellence, my work, my body, my love, and my very anything. I freely give this to you because I trust you explicitly with anything. Thank you. And then I talk about, like, okay, that was super uh, serious and, and heavy, but it was really, like, exactly what I needed. And this isn't coming from, like, some weird codependent thing or anything it was realizing a lot about myself as a man culturally spiritually and how i grew up and like then understanding and accepting that gift of not like i knew you to be complete and whole you know you complete me it's not that it's like you are my helper to um it's like a puzzle piece i guess you know mm-hmm. it's like okay this puzzle is fine but when this puzzle fits together you being the other puzzle piece mm-hmm. just opens my heart and it it's really really hard to explain mm-hmm. but it feels like
4: mm-hmm.
1: let's go yeah. you and me we we are we can do anything mm-hmm. and i'm not just talking about sex i'm talking this is like way beyond sex right yes. and i hope people understand that yes and and i hope you understand it and i hope the wives or whoever understands it this is not about sex. We're just like the post you did today. Yeah. Sex is not about sex, yeah. right? Yeah. It's about spirituality. It's about connection. It's about pleasure. It's about this like meta thing that um, we don't know. I haven't known that. I didn't grow up that mm-hmm. way. Family of origin, culture doesn't show us this stuff. But like seeing that is like, oh my gosh, what a gift mm-hmm. that you were able to to allow me to see, mm-hmm. right? And I can give you that gift through um making you feel uh captivating, mm-hmm. protected, loved, mm-hmm. higher than any other woman in my life mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you how about this? Through that, through your gift of not just your body, not just sex again, who who you are as a woman and that that spirit that you have like added to my heart Mm -hmm. like literally made my heart bigger Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah and it feels so amazing yeah yeah so amazing right and i i know that it may feel different for 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 women you know Mm -hmm. but um
2: no i don't i just don't i don't think it's different in that way that um I think the way that you were just saying, I want you to feel captivating. I want you to feel like above other women and all of that. I think in the same way, I was trying to think of what's the complimentary version of like, what do what do you make me feel? Mm. And we talked about this just recently, like when you make me feel safe, mm-hmm. when you make me feel beautiful, right. when you show me that I am above other women, when you show me and you prove it with your behavior and mm-hmm. you uh, protect me. And it's almost like, I'm going to do all the funny stereotypes, but like, you're mm-hmm. like a lumberjack jack viking yes police officer firefighter like you're Ooh. all the things and a cook and a cook and you're a guy fieri <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's money
2: <laughs> my brother <Welcome> Flavor <laughs> uh, but it makes me think of when i feel that from you those uh, it's the it's the same vibe i guess if if you can translate that type of love that type of safety you're providing for me for you're caring for our children you're watching out for me you're like the the. Uh, male elk in the herd who's like going to kick the other elk's butts if yes. they come around, right? And that to me is very life-giving. That makes me feel safe, it makes me feel secure, right. and it makes me want to be with you, right. right? And so I think it's this amazing. It's so much different than anything we ever learned, especially, you know, in our homes growing up, but mm-hmm. particularly in the church. This is mm. not any any anything that we learned in the church, but when we can learn to Uh, look at the deeper really sort of like mm, core of our celestial (laughs) that's not what i meant to say celestial what's the word i'm trying to say
4: i don't know um
2: like the way that god has designed us to be Mm -hmm. you know as a man and a woman and married and all of that i think when we can get to that place it truly is stunning and amazing and it's so life-giving in a way Mm -hmm. that we we literally have never experienced yeah it's, one of the one of the really quick things that I think is really funny I said it at the event is that you know with with our children it's very easy to understand affection and the impact of positive nurturing and mm-hmm. all that stuff. It's very easy to see that with a toddler or a baby cuz all you got to do is like coo and ca and ca coo in their face <laughs> and kiss them and like and oh and yeah and then now oh now we're this oh, I was so sweet and they're happy and I'm happy. But that's harder to teach in an you know in a married adult sexual context but As women and wives, if you have children, you get that affection all day long with your baby. Mm. All day long. You get to hold them and touch them and teach them and talk with them and all this stuff. You get to put their little shoes on and you get this this Mm -hmm. constant flow of chemicals. Mm -hmm. Your husband, if he is not a stay at home father, does not get that. Right. He does not have an approved other human that he may touch and coddle and kiss and ooh and ah over. Mm -hmm. You're it. Right, and so please, women, do not hear me being like, ladies, it's your responsibility to make your man happy. No, that is not what I'm saying. No,
1: because on the on the converse of that, yeah, uh, mom, and there's the research uh, bears this out. Like stay at home moms or the stay at home parent who's who are with kids all day, Mm -hmm. like say, can be man, like a five or six year old, you know, just touching and wanting everything. Mm -hmm. Then the last thing that that person wants at the end of the day is like their spouse to be like, ooh, you know, hands all over them, like don't touch me. Yeah, right. But your spouse can come
2: to you with a life giving. energy of passion and desire which sounds so opposite of what we know it sounds very uh depleting like that concept even sounds depleting like your partner coming to you wanting something sexually sounds depleting right but if you have this really giant paradigm shift it is not depleting at all. It's very mm-hmm. life giving. It's and uh, which is God's design for it. Right. It is the the yeah. total design for it is life giving.
1: It's crazy. Remember when I talked about I went to Dubai and I didn't literally touch anybody oh, for 70s? Yeah, I lost my mind. Yeah,
2: he was by himself. And then I love my favorite part of the story is I went to the airport and got a massage. Oh,
1: <laughs> that does sound shady, but it, it was, was really not. Funny. <laughs> it was like a, a chair massage, like in the middle of the airport kind of thing. But yeah, physical touch. Man, and I just feel bad for people in prison, honestly. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. they deserve to be there, sure, but actually I don't feel bad for people in prison. <laughs> I I can I can understand why Prison is even much worse than we think because you don't get touched. But
2: it just is, it's interesting. And I I want you guys to go to anatomyofmarriage.com to get the workbook for episode number seven. Don't turn the lights on because these are conversations that we want you to be having with your partner. We want you to be saying, wait, what did I learn about sex? What do I have shame? Do I have um, something that I need to heal from? Do I have someone, do I need to go to a therapist or whatever? How about this?
1: As a therapist with literally thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of counseling you do have sexual shame Mm -hmm. you do have wounds Mm -hmm. you do have things that you can grow from and if you guys have a brain at all (laughs) and if you're smart which you are because you listen to the show Seriously, buy this workbook. I'm not trying to say, oh, you're gonna have sex, you know, f- uh, ten times a week and every day. No, you will heal wounds that you didn't know you had, mm-hmm. and then you will have more connecting, mm-hmm. more pleasurable in sex with your partner. Mm-hmm. Right? If you buy the workbook for 24.99, which is cheaper than anything you could even think about, um, and just read the chapter on sex, it will be worth it. Yeah, it, it yeah. absolutely will be worth it. So this is just like. I wish that we had this workbook Mm -hmm. eight, ten years ago. Oh, yeah. We'd have like ten kids. (laughs)
2: Absolutely. And so next week's episode is a follow-up to this because I could not just make one. This Mm -hmm. episode was too good. We've got too many amazing things from Dr. Tina that we still wanted to share and from Dr. Corey. So next week's episode is called It's Complicated Mm -hmm. and it is about sort of the flip side of the healthy sexuality conversation where how do you navigate things when there's been abuse? What do you do? I mean, how does it impact things in sort of the bigger picture? So that is also a great episode. It is a very challenging episode to listen to i will give you warnings before we dive into things next week because it's a lot but again we really encourage you go to anatomyofmarriage.com, click on the orange workbook link buy the workbook it's amazing please share the show with your friends do not hoard all of this amazing goodness to yourself you you greedy little turd (laughs) share it um and also, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Yeah. It but helps not us out. not a bad rating. I mean, y'all don't do that. Yeah, give us something don't, good. Don't even and, do that.
1: and also, again, we talk about growth mindset. We do this all the time. You can get a free work free book, audio book on us if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash anatomy of marriage. You can literally pick any book you want. Mm-hmm. Any book ever. Any audio book. Re- any I would recommend some growth mindset. I would I would recommend Tina's book. Hers uh, isn't
2: an audio book yet
1: But yeah, go to audibletrial.com forward slash anatomy and marriage to get a free book on us. It helps us out and it helps you out. It grows your brain. Uh huh. All right, people.
2: All right. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week.
1: Later. Bye.